Hello and uh, welcome. So this is kind of our test run here for our first official podcast. Absolutely. We've been kicking around this idea for the better part of a year and it's time to implement it and see how long it takes for us to experience the pleasure and pain of falling on our faces and presenting it to you to be judged. Absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of a, hey, why don't we do a podcast? And then the response was... No, I'm not really interested in that whatsoever. Yeah. (laughs) And then something... Something happened. Some, something and, changed. And keyed in there. Absolutely. So, yeah, we've been throwing it around for a while, and then we decided, hey, you know, let's do it. So now that we're getting ready to do it, this is kind of our our test run, and we kind of thought, well, what would be a good subject? Um, we're both interested in a variety of different musics, but uh, the common thread often between the two of us is interest in and rock and roll and some of the more derivative versions and uh, heavy metal and grunge and uh, some of the interesting changes that happened toward the uh, end of the 1980s and and the uh, run well through the 90s and so fans of the the original bands like Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and so we decided well to give an idea of where we're both coming from, why not start with uh, something along those lines? We'll get to heavier subjects at a later time, but let's do something fun. So what's more fun than to talk about our favorite Soundgarden album? Now, it was just kind of random, because, random because the idea was in place, and then you know all of a sudden, uh, get up in the morning, and we, I look at the phone and it says, uh, Chris Cornell was not alive anymore and i was just like that's just weird and the thing about it is like we had had the idea to discuss our favorite Soundgarden album and then all that all that made me do is want to listen to even more Soundgarden after that and yeah. audio slave of course too but Certainly. um yeah it just kind of made an easy transition i guess you can say uh definitely so i know Personally, he's been a major <clears throat> factor in the in the growth and uh, experience I've had through music and coming to understand the influences that some artists take, uh, both from the the earlier musicians that they listen to, as well as the overall culture and the 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 makeup of the individual band members. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, obviously, Chris Cornell's voice was stellar i don't i don't know of too many other individuals that could have had the kind of impact and range that he did uh but of course that's only one small facet of what that band was i mean with uh kim thale on the guitar i mean you can hear some very interesting influences indian music specifically played a role into this i don't I must admit, I'm not necessarily the most well-read individual, but I don't ever really remember seeing anybody mention that. Yeah, and I, I think what you look at with that is they always talk about in Soundgarden the, gosh, I'm not a music person from the standpoint of playing music, but they always had you know a, a non-traditional tuning for their instruments to give it a different sound. So certainly, I, I thought that made everything unique and. You know, if you think about even going back when the 
grunge era kicked into gear, you know, you can look deeper in the roots of that because one of the big ones, you know, one of the big bands, like when you look at the movie like Singles, that was a big soundtrack with a lot of those grunge era bands. And there's a lot of earlier albums that came out. And, you know, like when you talk about Mother Love Bone, for example, which is one of the early, early ones, well, who I think the, the lead singer's last name was Wood, right? I can't remember it, but like that right. his who who, who was his roommate? It was Chris Cornell. Um, when he passed away, and then they, they they felt a need to do something. They they kind of collaborated with a few other artists and did an album under the name of Temple of the Dog. Well, who was in all those things too? You know, right. it's like gotta have Eddie Vedder. Yep, and core members of the. You know, of of Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. So just, you know, I, I think he was kind of Chris Cornell and Soundgarden in general was at like the actual beginning at the core of Definitely. the kind of grunge era. Anyway, yeah, it's and, and it's and it's fascinating too, just because the of the history of the band, the they took not only the influences uh, musically and 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 from their personal experiences, but uh, as those experiences grew from the subculture that developed in Seattle and being on an independent label and attempting to, to put out this music and and the way the fan base in a way almost turned on them when they went to a major label, you can kind of see that you know reflected a little bit I think sometimes in in, in, in the way that they presented their music. It, it just kind of felt you kind of felt, the 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 anger sometimes the 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 mistrust you know just another just another little flavor another layer of something on top of it or i could possibly be reading too much into that well you know and i think the music of soundgarden which had a lot of influences on other people and a lot of other bands still comes through today when you go and you watch youtube videos which unfortunately is a, a bad habit of mine uh, mine as well there are a lot of random let's call them tribute videos from other bands and other artists who are all almost always playing a Soundgarden song of some sort as their tribute to chris cornell and it's not just like it's other random grunge or Absolutely. Era bands. There is, I think, gosh, I think there's a Nora Jones one on there somewhere. Yeah, I just saw that earlier today. So there's, yeah, big influence. Absolutely. Um, So, well, personally, my favorite album is still Super Unknown. It's the album that really introduced me to Soundgarden in the first place. It was one that I was listening to in the uh, uh, later years of my, my teen phase. And the wonderful trips that one could still take to the mall at that time, uh, because that was the place that you went, as the the internet was not uh, a ready source of anything uh, at that point. Um, so the the discovery, the everything that you had, was first off of the album art that you saw from it, and the the sight of a slightly distorted, slightly blurred face that seemed to be coming out of the woods kind of triggered in my mind just a little bit of that 
Evil Dead reference that in that movie series that I already liked so much, and it's, well, these guys are rock and roll. Give this a listen to, and it blew me away. I hadn't heard anything like it, and I was lucky enough to have a father that had a rather large vinyl collection that I was able to take advantage of, um, and so I had a a, a good uh, bringing up in classic rock and roll, and uh, you know, especially going forward from that to the 1980s and the the availability of hearing that when the uh, same individual was not buying albums anymore. All I heard was what was on VH1 or M- MTV was not available to me at the time. So radio stations, I was hearing the, if I was lucky, the hardest that I would get would be like a Van Halen or something like that. Yeah. And so getting that into my CD player the first time, it was just kind of a revelation. And so, of course, it spurred me on to listen to their older stuff and anything that that I could get my hands on that they released later. And while still very interesting and loved every bit of it, nothing resonated in the same way that that first album that I listened to. And I've always thought back to it. You know, you're, you're always going to have a certain love for that first album that you listen to. But I, to me, Absolutely. I think it was more than that. I think that there was a certain level of cohesive, melodic expansion that he had on that album that pulled away from the sounds that he had on the previous albums, even the ex- exceptional Bad Motor Finger, that... It was it was an attempt to change the focus around just a little bit away from the the higher pitches and uh, and the more screaming sounds into something that you could or well in this case something that I could sing along with and whatever because that was always my favorite part let's sing along with Chris Cornell and find out exactly the point at which I can no longer follow his voice. Well, I think what you ran into a lot with that album too was. That was the one that got all their notoriety, right? Mm. Like they won mm-hmm. all the Grammys and stuff with Absolutely. that album. They got more of the mainstream popularity. So it wasn't, although grunge was a popular form of music, it wasn't the one that was, to an extent, making the money and getting the yeah. airplay. I mean, some of it was. wasn't you know? really acknowledged up until that point. I mean, point, not yeah. on the radio necessarily. Maybe a little bit on MTV, but I didn't know. I mean, I didn't have MTV. I didn't have... No. So I, I didn't get to watch any of that stuff. But um, I definitely can say that I had a, um, a T-shirt from that album. <laughs> it was, uh, gosh, it, it, it was like a green shirt. It had a tricycle on it. And it had, like, it was missing a wheel. That vaguely rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it was just a random T-shirt that I found somewhere. It's like, oh, it's a Soundgarden T-shirt. i got to have one of those. So it was it was an easy purchase at the time, but I guess for for me, and I even mentioned it to you before. Like mm-hmm. I had, like every kid did, a few posters in their room. Absolutely. Uh, one of them was Dan Marino, and the other one was a Soundgarden poster. I had a few others, but like I had a Soundgarden poster in my room, which and, was a great indicator of why you're awesome, both for the football uh, reference to like the best quarterback ever well up until maybe Peyton Manning yeah uh, and then of course excellent musical taste and gosh maybe later on a doom and I'm pretty sure there's a Guar poster hanging up in there too it's, it's, it's everyone can make mistakes but the 
the poster was from when they were uh, on tour for uh, Bad Motor Finger. And it was, it was more of the traditional, like, the long-haired version of everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess in Super Unknown, it's a little bit it's cleaned more up clean version, cut. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was the poster that I had, and and I, I'll kind of go back to it a little bit. I, I, I had, I started getting CDs. I had I had a few tapes. I had a lot of Motley Crue tapes. I had like every Motley Crue tape that was out there, but oh, they then were big. S- switched to CDs. And then, like, the first couple CDs I got, there was, like, a Metallica CD, a Guns N' Roses, and a Megadeth CD. Like, the first three CDs that I owned. But soon after that, um, I think it was the availability of things like BMG and Columbia House. Yeah, they were So it's like, hey, let me just get ten CDs. And you go through the little album and you find the things. And for some reason, I, I, I... we talked about it early the the single soundtrack. So I got that soundtrack. I don't know why. I don't remember why, but it had everybody on it, like your typical grunge lineup. I mean, Allison Chains was on there, Pearl Jam was on there, Soundgarden was on there, Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, it, it, Screaming Trees. I, I believe had a, a track on there. As yeah, well. yeah. It was just why. I mean, like, why did I get that one? I don't know. But the there, there, the Soundgarden song that was on there is not really one that's on really, it's not on any nor, like albums that most people have. Um, but I got Bad Motor Finger because of that and Alice in Chains, I got um, uh, Dirt yeah, and Pearl. Um, No, because that was Wood. That's right. That's Wood right. was on that's that right. one. But then I also got um, Ten. Because Pearl Jam was on there, so like all the classic albums, but Bad Motor Finger was the one that really kind of stood out to me because I was, I guess I was more into like the heavier stuff, and it, it that's why I initially was drawn to that album and to that band just because of the, I, I guess the heavier sound to it. Not that it, I mean there are, of course, many more heavier bands than that that Soundgarden but that particular album just had like a particular sound to it and it was all throughout the album and and only later on did I pay more attention to the actual vocals and what you find in that album I think is a lot of songs that just the album sound matches the lyrical sound like they go hand in hand with they all do, the they songs. They do blend quite well. And I don't know, that just, that resonated more with me later on because I was more about, like, just listening to the instrument parts and the vocals were awesome anyway, I knew that. But, like, later on, it was more, gosh, there's some good bands out there that the lead singer is just absolutely amazing in it. And that just reinforced my enjoyment for Soundgarden in general. But... Bad Motor Finger, I, I don't know. That was just that's still one of my favorite albums ever. It 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 was stellar, and there there are certain aspects of that album that I really loved. I'm I am a, a sucker for timing changes, and anytime you have a, a major shift in a song, that immediately gets my attention. So Rusty Cage, the end of that gave me chills when I heard it. I mean, it was that was just awesome. Um, uh, Room, a thousand years wide yeah yep, yep. Uh, i liked the i liked the build up that they had in that i liked the 
the presentation, the, the almost uh, cinematic approach that they used for taking that, uh, that, particular, that particular song forward the way they did. And there was definitely a lot of provocative lyrics uh, Jesus Christ posed. I mean, considering my own personal journeys at the time and the questions that I was asking, that resonated in a certain way. But it, it never seemed to gel in the same kind of way to me. I mean, I loved it, but it's, when I listened to it, it, it was definitely a consistent sound, but it, it's, it was almost disjointed in some, in some respects. But felt. I think it goes back to the first album thing, because when I got that album, Super Unknown wasn't out at the time. Ah, so yeah. there, there was no purchasing that one. Of course, as soon as it came out, I immediately purchased it. So that was back in the day where you could get CDs and they're like I, I guess at that time frame I still I couldn't really go much of any store around me and get them because there weren't any stores around me to go and get them but um, I, I do remember uh, the even gosh when some of the Stone Temple Pilots albums would come out that I would go down to when I when I was out of high school and and in college that I would just stay up till 12 or 1 and walk down to the local they had a place where you walk in and get a cd at midnight when the thing was released so that was exciting to me to get those types of albums but when soundgarden with with those of course that wasn't an option at the time but yeah i remember a certain amount of excitement around that that seems to be the thing that most retail companies are trying to replicate and i don't don't know if that that's really something that can be done considering there's an emotional attachment that we get to music that I don't think you can get with a pair of mittens. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and with the digital age for things, when it comes to, like, I used to be excited to go get a VHS tape for a movie or yeah. be excited to go get, you know, even a DVD. I still get excited from, you know, time to time to get the, a Blu-ray for something, but it's... a. a a digital copy of something that you get is not, I don't think, quite as tangible. Yeah. It's the same as getting an doesn't have that item. visceral quality. I can't put it on my shelf. I can't look at it and and it doesn't doesn't trigger that just that little that little whiff of memory when I'm walking, Oh yeah, I remember that episode or that whatever. I just have to wait to find it on my list. It's very yeah. much more forgettable. I know uh I know personally I have been uh I got that excited feeling again just uh, you know a couple of days ago. It's like oh, House of Cards, new season, but you know it's, it's still it's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's there and you can see it and you're like, okay, good. <laughs> that was excellent. What's got next? It. Got it. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess back to the the Soundgarden stuff. So really. I mean, they have a, f- a few albums, but I feel like there are mainly three, I guess maybe four, that yeah. everybody focuses on. Certainly. And Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown are the two most likely to recognized and, and, and biggest ones. Um, Down on the Upside was still great when amazing it came album. out. And I, I still will contest that that CD is the best best orchestrated from beginning to end playthrough that you can get it seems like it was designed to be listened to in a single playthrough every song leads to the next song perfectly 
uh, even even though it does have a handful of what feels like throwaway songs if you listen to them on their own because individually they're not spectacular, but they lend to the feel and the theme of the whole piece that when taken in context, it's it gives an excellent uh, response to the listener, I think. Yeah, real, real good. Real, really good album. And it's just one of those things where uh, everybody's got their favorite artists that they'll listen to and favorite albums. And then I, I guess I can relate it to some of the Stone Temple Pilots albums because it's the same thing with them. There's a couple of just like real huh, core <laughs> albums that everybody listens to and then kind of forgets about the other ones. But a lot of the other ones are really good in their own right. And that's what I always find with super unknown is just like why don't i listen to this album more because it's so good you know and that's um i don't know it's it's just weird it's just weird and and that could be an interesting subject in and of itself to go through because considering the type of musician that chris cornell was the ability that he had not only to write lyrics and to orchestrate and to to work with uh work with the the rest of the band to achieve a sound that had such far-reaching appeal. He also had the ability to completely rewrite existing songs and create a new sound for them. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember, it, it, remember becoming angry uh, at uh, uh, American Idol, uh, of all things, to get angry at when there was there was such a uh, such a, a lauded performance. Uh, this 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 artist had performed a version of billy jean and it's so different than the original billy jean and all i could think is like yeah it's chris cornell's version of billy jean you should know this i mean how do you not know this i mean i know he's maybe not on the tip of everybody's tongue and and core consciousness everywhere but it, it, it and i had to think about it. it's like why am i getting so mad about this uh, just like i i feel that he should be getting more recognition <laughs> well i i can and this has really nothing to do but i can honestly say i've never seen an episode of american idol like just i i don't know i can't do it I count just, yourself lucky yeah i'm i just can't see myself sitting there <laughs> watching people just i don't know is there's not enter doesn't interest me there's at all, obviously appeal to it otherwise it would be on the air and i can definitely 17 seasons or some ridiculous amount 22 i don't know I, I don't know what it is but there's it's crazy to think that it and, and what i was thinking of in conjunction with that is when you look at some of your favorite artists and some of your say favorite albums sometimes they'll get played on there and it's a surprise like oh my mm-hmm. that's that's cool that someone would pick that exactly but going the opposite direction when you look at a lot of your favorite bands and all the albums that they have like try to think of the ones that did a cover of something there's not that many of them that are out there and when you look at Soundgarden's main album I mean, there's not really i mean there's you know it's their stuff yeah, no, they don't generally do they don't do covers, and a lot of the big bands, uh, at least the smart ones, you know, would not generally want to do a cover because they don't want to do a disservice to the original song, and they want to be, they want their music to be original, or they at least want, in in some instances, enough time to have passed for everybody to have forgotten the song in the first place, so that they can make it feel fresh 
and make it feel like their own. But I don't really think that Chris Cornell and Soundgarden ever really had that problem. Anytime that he would touch a piece of music, no matter whose it was, he would at the very least make it intriguing and and uh, just make you see the original artist's concept through a slightly different lens. And there's, I mean, there's some good covers out there. You see some bands do it more than others. Disturbed does it oh, yeah. a lot. Quite and a uh, Marilyn Manson's got a couple, you know. But some, some bands live off of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, was it uh, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies? I think is is pretty much all they do is covers. <laughs> yeah, take an interesting song, make it hard and fast. You know, just it works. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The it, and it, and and I think when you look at the Soundgarden songs in general, those are hard to cover. I mean, you can you might be able if you look at the what we talked about before the YouTube videos and they're doing the tributes and stuff and the it's cool that they're doing them but most of them are pretty awful and it repli- it's not the artist's fault really. no replicating the vocals for it is well, next to impossible but then playing the music is well eh. and especially considering a lot of the ones that I saw they had a day to get the song ready. I mean, it's most true. most uh, most bands are going to need a great deal of uh, practice to to be able to get it to sound the way they want, and it was more important to touch on the emotion of the impact of what had just happened. I mean, I'm not the uh, I would not consider myself the most prone to uh, tear up on anything, but I know I uh, I had a little bit of a rough time at, at hearing of his passing, and it was. It was nice to see such an outpouring of people that were also so affected by his music. It was, it was really gratifying. Well, I think the thing about it is, for me, it was the core. Like when you're growing up and you establish kind of how you're going to be for the rest of your life and the things that you listen to. Like for me, that music, like Soundgarden and a few other bands, and there were like that was it like that was that was it for me like those were my favorites like that was me growing up and establishing that country music is awful to me or (laughs) you know modern most modern pop music is is awful to me that type of stuff so it's like that was my one of my main influences was that band a few others of course too but that one was the big one to me and of course after that all i could listen to for a week like i said was Soundgarden albums and some audio slave albums too but it's just like gosh i haven't listened to these in a while a long time so I, it was, for it me stinks. for me it's i mean yeah i love i love the hearing people talk about the the formative effects that that music have on them and how that how it how it changes over time and for me that's my favorite part i had already been listening to music for a little bit you know when when this had come out and it was it was for me it was just a pivot and of course it it completely shifted what i was listening to at the time it had to be out of that seattle sound something new something different with minor exceptions here and there yeah yeah i gosh i don't even know like I said, I had I had every Motley Crue tape, and I think I had Metallica's the uh, I'm a, the, Black, the Black Album on tape, 
and a Billy Idol tape. I can't go wrong. Which Billy was Idol. awesome. So that was it was Billy Idol Vital Idol, <laughs> which was <laughs> an awesome. I, I recommend that if you haven't listened to Billy Idol or in a while, that's a great album. That's a great name for an album. But um, it when I like I said I got those those other CDs and just started transitioning the music. Like why? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know some of my friends had listened to a lot of Metallica. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, The Cure was what uh, one of my other friends were you, listening were to. Were you getting so. the, teen, the teen angstiness? Was that what was happening? Yeah. yeah no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> gosh, when you, when you live in a small town, uh, there's not a lot to do, but, you know, maybe have teen angst, I guess. I don't know. I, that yeah. I, I really don't know why. I think it just came down to chance, maybe, uh, because of BMG and Columbia House, just like, oh, single soundtrack. Maybe I recognized some artist off of there, and for some reason I was like, okay, let me let's get that one. Cool. And it just that that's where it went from. Well, and you were talking a little earlier about you weren't sure what about the the singles had had kind of produced that reaction. I know very specifically what produced me to get the soundtrack from singles, uh, specifically uh, Birth Ritual, the song you were talking about. Mm, yeah. This very specific scene out of that movie that it's associated with. I mean, to just back up from it, this movie, I'm not going to call a masterpiece. Um, I've actually never seen it. Oh, it <laughs> is entertaining. Strangely enough. Everybody that, uh, for what it was, it was wonderful. Um, it's not something that I would consider uh, worth multiple watches. But one of the interesting elements of the movie, the aspect of the storyline, you know, because you know both of us are interested in movies as well, and the music plays such an important role of telling the story. And the scene that they link that particular song to, the uh, male lead, had just experienced a, a devastating loss of, uh, of a, a child, uh, or, well, a potential child, uh, and was having some relationship issues because the female lead was uh, not handling the situation well, because who would? And so he's dealing with this, this particular loss, and he's at a club because that's what they did. They went to clubs, and Allison changes playing. And he, everybody is wild and everything is crazy. And he is forlorn and just, just kind of washed out and sat. And that's the song that's playing. And that reverberates his mental state mm. so well. And I, and I heard that and I go, wow, I've got, I've got to have that. Was that a, was that a Dylan was that the lead? Dylan was in it. He was not the lead. He was one of the, the, the major characters and actually one of the more entertaining parts of the film because he plays a meathead musician and it's and it's beautifully done. Uh, his his particular scene because all if I remember correctly, all of Soundgarden is actually in the movie and they act as his bandmates. And so hmm. some of the scenes between him and them particularly wonderful uh, uh just a ridiculous a bit of him playing guitar at Jimi hendrix's grave you know just self-absorbed and wonderful but um uh, it's uh it's 
but the the key the the the, the emotional elements that that Chris Cornell and Soundgard can pull that you could have is this heavy song, but you heard it through the distortion, through the heaviness. You heard the pain, and then in the exact same CD. You had his solo song, Seasons, which is still my favorite song that he does, no matter what CD. And just the the poetry of what he writes and the relatability of that pain. And then to see it again in Man of Steel uh, was a little just just jarring. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I... I didn't know how I felt about that, but other than okay, uh, Chris Cornell's got a song in another movie, I'll take it. You know, whatever. Yeah. But, Get the name out there. Get the absolutely. song out there. But uh, yeah, he's he was something else. So yeah, I guess I guess in talking a little bit about all of our stuff here, we just wanted to kind of have a chat have a test, see how things were going. And once again, we mentioned before that Soundgarden was the easiest, well, not maybe the easiest, but one of the easiest things for us to kind of discuss and chat up about. Uh, we, we try to hit nothing crazy, but I think one of the things that I'm looking for in having this discussion is that if someone is out there listening to us have a discussion about Soundgarden, that they go and they dig through their CDs and they listen to the Soundgarden albums that they might have, or they hop on to one of their music services that they might have and dig up those Soundgarden albums and re-listen to them just to like, oh my gosh, I forgot how awesome the song was or this album. Like, why haven't I listened to this in 10 years? You know, it's kind of one of those things is that it had been a little bit shorter time for me, you know, just a couple years, but um, it's, it's, like I said, it's one of those things where I hope that having this discussion, and we talked about a lot of things, primarily Soundgarden, but Absolutely. even if it's just like singles, like what is that movie? Like that someone goes out and watches that movie. It's like, it just like triggers something because we had a chat about really in the grand scheme of things, nonsense, but it, that nonsense triggers some action of yeah. some sort. And Well, it's, and it's what, in, in my mind connects us what's the easiest thing to connect over these trivial things this pop culture I mean we all have emotional reactions to music we all have emotional reactions to movies and books and everything around us and in the climate that we're in right now this is kind of part of my reasoning for wanting to do this I want something that can bring us a feeling of being closer together just in a, in a small way and and I think the easiest way of that is talk about the things that we love, at least to start. And then we'll talk about the things that can potentially tear us into pieces. But we'll wait for a while before we get to that. Yeah, let's do fun stuff first. <laughs> do fun stuff. <laughs> and, then, and then hopefully down the road, if this is something that is popular enough, we'll get some other voices in here that can give us you know, thoughts and, and ideas of our friends. Thoughts and ideas of people in the community that might have a slightly different perspective or some information that we don't know anything about something that uh, will let us know who our neighbors are and how they are awesome in some way shape or form or a hidden awesome you know and the thing about our discussions is in, in the in reality 
we could probably sit here and go for hours and talk about the same thing. Definitely. Dig into each song, dig into each album of what each song on each album. But I think what we're looking to do now is just kind of get a feel for things. And eventually we'll have time constraints or maybe time, not even time constraints, limits maybe, but just an idea on what is the most comfortable for people to kind of sit and listen to us ramble on before it just becomes something not quite as fun as what we were hoping it to be. And so I, I promise to ramble quite a bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too is if we get into like a discussion about something that we're just having a good time and you know, we're going to drag it on. But if someone is here and they're chatting up with us and we can see that they're having a good time too, we'll just let them go too. So I think what we're looking at here on this first one is just, okay, we've done this for a little over a half hour now. Um, we know that we could go a lot longer than this. Most and, certainly. And some days we will and some days we won't. But, you know, at least we get an idea of the fun times that we are going to have and what we're going to talk about and how we're going to do it and how things just easily kind of roll off um, our tongues as far as just, hey, I remember talking about something like this before. Yeah, you're, you're, hopefully everyone will feel like they're here with us and that's that's the that's the goal because that's that's where it's fun yeah absolutely absolutely so i think in conclusion it's just a good test run talked about something fun and we'll probably dig into soundgarden a little bit later uh, one of our future episodes that we're going to kind of dig into is revolving around that same era not only just an album from a band but like what are our favorites 10 or 20 or so from that same approximate era so look look for that to come and many other discussions too well it's been good talking to you and uh we'll see you soon